It's Wednesday, September 5th, and this is The Daily Dive. Former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick continues to make headlines despite not being on the field anymore. Kaepernick will once again be in ads for Nike as they gear up for the 30th anniversary of their Just Do It campaign. It's part of a campaign that plans to release a Kaepernick-inspired shoe, a t-shirt, and will donate money to his Know Your Rights educational campaign. Dan Beyer, managing editor at Fox Sports Radio, joins us for more on the deal and all the reaction. Next, have you jumped on the anti-plastic straw bandwagon? I have another ocean polluter for you to tackle, and it's worse. Cigarette butts are the most common item collected on beaches, while plastic straws rank seventh. Josh Ocampo, reporter for Mike, joins us to talk about throwing away your dirty cigarette butts properly and how Americans are terrible at recycling and what happens when you put something in the wrong bin. Finally, the confirmation hearing for Brett Kavanaugh to be the next Supreme Court justice has begun, and it started with some chaos. Protesters chanted and were arrested, Democrats interrupted and tried to get the hearing postponed, and it may all be for naught, as Republicans still maintain a majority. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios, joins us for all the fireworks kicking off the hearing. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. No, it was something that was really just a personal decision where you know, I didn't agree with what was going on. Part of the oppressive system is you're going to have that backlash for trying to fight for people. And that was something I was fully prepared for. Joining us now is Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor. We're going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick. He's created a buzz all over the Internet, all in the business world. Nike has extended the contract. He had a contract with them since 2011 when he was playing football. He hasn't played on a team for more than a year now. And they just included him in their 30th anniversary for their Just Do It campaign. And he's creating all sorts of buzz. What's going on? Well, the Nike ad that was released on Monday was in celebration of the company's 30th anniversary of their Just Do It ad campaign, and it featured a picture of Colin Kaepernick, and what was so surprising about this was the Nike contract uh, with Colin Kaepernick, as you mentioned, is one thing, but Nike also has a contract with the National Football League to be the official supplier of their uniforms and, and merchandise. Well, Colin Kaepernick is suing the National Football League for, in the National Football League donors for collusion. So now all of a sudden you've got this triangle, and when this ad comes out with Kaepernick's face saying, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, this is a controversial move not only because of Nike doing it, but also because of the NFL. Is the NFL, I, I believe that they had just hoped a lot of this stuff would, would go away. And, and by stuff, I don't mean to pass over it, but we're talking about anthem protests. We're talking about Kaepernick's lack of signing. The NFL was kind of hoping to just put this in the rearview mirror, make it out of sight, out of mind, and get back to business as usual. Well, three days before the NFL 2018 season is going to kick off, one of their teammates, if you will, in Nike, brings this controversy back to center stage. And now I think that the NFL is really, really frustrated with what came out. Nike doing it on their port to, to support Kaepernick. And let's be honest, Nike's a big enough company that they could take a financial hit if there right. is going to be one. They could benefit financially from it. But it really puts the NFL in an interesting spot because right now they're kind of uh, between a rock and a hard place with this ad campaign that launched Monday. Yeah, and as you said, you know, they probably thought it would go away. The president obviously kept chiming in and and the thing just kept going. To this day, we're still talking about 
the protests and how the players union opposed to the new rule that the NFL was putting into place that deal with NFL and Nike just got extended to 2028. So it's mm-hmm. going on for a long time. Still Nike's going to be doing like a new shoe line. They're going to be doing some t-shirts for Colin Kaepernick. They're going to donate back to his charity. So this story will be ongoing. I, I know that they took a hit in the stocks, as you said, they're a big enough company where they can weather that. Bloomberg News had said that the campaign had created $43 million in buzz just because everybody's been talking about it. It's been in the media so much already. So, yeah, this is still kind of a smart idea still for, for Nike. And in that slogan, you know, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything, that is Colin Kaepernick. He's sacrificed his whole career to do what he believed in. And the messaging, Oscar, has even rubbed many people wrong because when people look at everything, many people would say, well, what do you say about soldiers who died in war? And is that everything? And that brings it back to all these hot button issues. For Nike, as you mentioned, there's going to be people who aren't going to be Nike because of this ad campaign or or purchase Nike. There's going to be people who now will want to buy Nike. I don't know if it's going to even out. I'm not a financial forecaster. But as you said, the the numbers are going to go up and down. What is so interesting about this, and I think is is intriguing, is the timing of it and if the commercialization of it is going to intersect or change people's minds. Because there are some that feel that this may just be a marketing ploy or Nike's opportunity to cash in on it. And we will see how it plays out. It's not a black and white issue because there's a lot of gray areas, even though a lot of times we're talking about black and white. There are a lot of gray areas here, and this ad made it even more cloudier than ever because you have so many different lines that are crossed. To the larger issue, where is the NFL on the status of protests going on? Because I know they went back and forth a little bit. Are they settled on something right now? You said the you know the season officially starts in just a few days. There are still the opportunities for players to and, and for teams to remain in the locker room for the national anthem. The, the sides continue to speak on the issue, and I think that's what you're going to see. The other point, aside from just the stadiums, were what TV networks were doing, and a couple of TV networks saying that they aren't going to show the national anthem prior to games. That really hasn't been a tradition in a lot of networks. Usually if a game starts, say, at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Pacific, a pregame show will take you up to right about five minutes before kickoff. They do a little preview of the game from the stadium, and then they start. They don't usually show the National Anthem. But now it has become such an issue that we're wondering if TV networks were going to show the National Anthem or not show the National Anthem, even though many of them didn't even do it before. But two of them had to come out and say, we aren't going to do it as, as part of our broadcast. This is how we're going to move forward. But what ended up happening just to quickly just between the teams was there was supposed to be legislation or a rule to come out for the NFL players and, and how the teams were going to handle the punishment. And then word got leaked that the Miami Dolphins were going to punish their players a certain way if they ended up kneeling for the National Anthem. Well, it was never agreed upon. The NFL just told the teams come out with some sort of parameters and then we'll review them. Well, the parameters got leaked before they became reviewed and that's how this issue blew up again. But more than likely you're going to see a lot of players and teams to stay in the locker room leading up to kickoff in these NFL games this regular season. Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. We'll do it again sometime soon. Thanks, Oscar. When cigarette butts get left on the road, they get washed into storm drains. They flow through them and end up in our lakes, rivers, and oceans and are washed up on our beaches. Along the way, they can be mistaken for food by fish or other animals. Joining us now is Josh Ocampo, reporter for Mike. 
So you've probably seen it in the news somewhere. Cities all across the country are starting to ban plastic straws. Restaurants and bars have already been on that train of banning the plastic straws. They'll give you a paper straw or nothing at all now. So if you've hopped onto this bandwagon, there's still other things that are poisoning the, the the oceans even more than that. And one of them is cigarette butts. Josh, you wrote an article about how this may be the greatest source of ocean pollution. And man, some of these numbers are crazy. What do we know about that? Yeah, it's actually really crazy. Um, according to the Truth Initiative, who's really taken on, you know, anti-cigarette butt pollution, it's something like over a million butts were collected from U.S. waterways in 2016 alone. The butts are known to be super toxic to fish, to dogs, children in, in super small quantities. So, you know, plastic straws are no longer our number one enemy, it seems right now. Yeah, uh, a report by the Ocean Conservancy says that cigarette butts are the most common item collected on beaches and plastic straws and stirs are number seven on the list. So cigarette butts, a lot higher and, and grosser, I would say, you know, they're made of, what are they made of? They're made of this thing called cellulose acetate. Yeah, exactly. And according to, you know, a lot of studies, they're essentially not biodegradable at all. I spoke to an expert who basically said that they don't actually filter anything. A, a butt is also known as a cigarette filter. And if anything, it may actually contribute to another form of cancer that's, that's actually much more dangerous. You know, one of the biggest problems, obviously, is we as consumers, people who smoke cigarettes, you just don't throw your trash away properly. You know, you're standing on the side of the road or something like that. You're just going to flick it wherever it lands. And, and even somebody, a representative, Philip Morris, said consumers ultimately must make the change. And I think that's 100 percent true. It starts with us. We need to dispose of those things properly. What have some of these programs been so far to help people throw away their cigarette butts? Properly. San Francisco instituted a couple programs, essentially public ash cans and ashtrays to help curb the butt pollution. And it did kind of work. And I think in total, there have been about two to three pilot programs. Um, and also a California assemblyman essentially reintroduced legislation that would help to ban the butts, as he says. But it's actually, I believe, failed. I don't know if failed is the correct word, but it hasn't gone into legislation about two or three times now because it's just not getting the support that it's needed. And so right now we're in a really weird position where we're kind of not really solving the butt problem. So it's just kind of going to get worse as far as I can tell. Right. And there's like, a, like we were saying at the open, there's this crusade against plastic straws, but this mm -hmm. is a much bigger problem. Another article you were, you had written recently too, and this goes off the same thing. You know, we don't throw our way our trash properly and Americans mm -hmm. are super terrible at recycling. And we put stuff in the wrong bins all the time. There's cross-contamination of all sorts. What do we know about how bad we are at recycling? As far as I know, we're, we're not doing a super great job. I think it's something like the contamination rate, which means the essentially trash thrown in the wrong bin or uh, a recycling item thrown in a different recycling bin that's not made for that is one in four. So um, one in four things in all of our recycling bins don't belong there. And it leads to all sorts of problems. Uh, specifically, you know, one of the things that you wrote about is plastic bags. And I didn't know this. I thought a plastic bag could be recycled, but people will throw those in recycling bins. And then later on at these processing plants, it'll get caught up in the machinery. And then, you know, workers have to climb up into the machines and dislodge things. So it, plastic bags continually are a problem all over the place. I spoke to a uh, facility in Greensboro and they were speaking to me about how dangerous it is having someone climb into really expensive 
really heavy duty machinery is just inherently sounds really dangerous. I spoke to um, Recycle Across America, which is this really great organization that's devoted to recycling. And she said how every 25 minutes their equipment breaks down, which is really, really often. And it also costs a lot of dollars and, and a lot of dollars on the part of taxpayers. So. Right. I think uh, there was one recycling facility that says they spent as much as a million dollars in lost time due to improper recycling. So having to sort stuff out the the right way or, you know, these machines having a stoppage because they got to dislodge things. And it goes beyond that. Like I said, we don't know what to put in the right bin. And people have been trying to get a standardized labeling system because everything looks different in, you know, this state to that state. And the public really doesn't know what to do when they are throwing something away and, and trying to recycle. Yeah. And, and organizations like Recycle Across America are trying to standardize that. And one thing that uh, Mitch Hedlund, who's the founder of the organization, spoke to me about was that because every state's different, no one really knows how to recycle the right way. I mean, I grew up in California and, and now I live in New York and the systems are so different that even I have a lot of trouble with it. And so there are all these different ways that people can recycle better. And one really simple one, it seems like, is just never throw away plastic bags in a recycling bin, put them in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. That seeks to do a lot. We do okay on paper. About 65% of that is recycled. Not so bad. Glass bottles, on the other hand, is a kind of a problem because some of it is recyclable. Some of it is not. And people will just throw, you know, if you see glass, you're just going to automatically throw it in there. But it's not always recyclable. Intuitively, it seems like you could throw any kind of glass in a glass recycling bin, but um, apparently there are a lot of different ones you actually can't. Like something as simple as a glass you use for orange juice or wine actually might not be recyclable. On the other hand, it's also a, a double-edged sword because a lot of cities are ending their glass recycling programs because... Yeah, that's so interesting. It's, Just because it's such a problem, it's expensive and people aren't doing it right anyways. Right, exactly. And I think it's something like 33.2% of glass in 2015 was actually recycled, which is such a small number compared to every other recyclable item. We got to recycle properly and then keep those dirty cigarette butts out of the ocean. That's, I think, a big problem right there, too. Definitely. Cigarette butts and plastic bags. Definitely. All right. Josh Ocampo, reporter for Mike. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. We have been denied real access to the documents we need to advise Chairman, regular order is called for. Which turns this hearing into a charade and a mockery of our norms. Well, and Mr. Chairman, I therefore move to adjourn this hearing. Okay. Joining us now is Steph Kite, reporter for Axios. The confirmation hearing of Brett Kavanaugh for Supreme Court justice is underway. And it started off with kind of a bang. There was a lot of chaos going on right at the beginning when uh, Chairman Chuck Grassley was trying to get stuff in order. There was protesters. Democrats were chiming in one by one to get them to adjourn, to to delay the process. What was going on at the beginning of this? Yes, as you said, the beginning of the hearing, there was quite a commotion. Not only were the protesters in the background and being escorted out of the room, but also several of the Democratic senators interrupted the chairman to bring forth a motion to, to kind of delay the process. Democrats felt that they didn't have sufficient time to really review all of those thousands and thousands of pages of documents ahead of the hearing. Yeah, they released 42,000 pages of documents from Kavanaugh's time 
in the White House. What did they expect was in those or what did they obviously they have to go through it. They got to pick it apart to see if there's anything they can use against him during the confirmation hearing. And this was also part of why uh, Mitch McConnell was so worried about the release of a lot of the stuff in Kavanaugh as a nominee, because there's so much of him out there in these documents that it could have been possibly, you know, a potential that he couldn't get confirmed. But what are they expecting to find in these documents? You know, I don't think they have any specific things they're looking for in these documents, but the fact that they were dropped so late. When we talk about protesters being in there, is the session open to anybody? Do you need to have like some type of ticket? Because there was a lot of them. Some protesters ended up getting arrested um, and you know they're just in the back causing a major ruckus. But it just can just anybody show up? Is it a first come, first serve thing? It is pretty easy to go into most buildings at the Capitol. It's easy to, if they're open to the public for the most part, for some of the seats, you, you would need to be, you know, there are special reserve seats for the family of Kavanaugh, but as we've seen in multiple hearings, it's very easy for protesters to make their way into these meeting areas and protests. This wasn't the first time that we've seen similar actions at some of the most important hearings that have taken place over the past year or so. So it's definitely not completely uncommon for something like this to happen. Despite all the protesters and the objections by the Democrats, uh, Chuck Grassley proceeded. He got everything underway. Uh, I mean, in the end, it might not really be, I mean, might not make much of a difference. It seems like he's going to get confirmed. The Republicans still have the majority. And even with the announcement that Senator John Kyle is taking over the seat for Senator John McCain. So it doesn't really seem like all these objections are going to do anything. It is true that that Kavanaugh seems to be a very strong candidate. Republicans support him. He has had bipartisan support. When you listen to some of some of the things that the Democratic senators brought forth today, they don't really question too much the fact that he would be qualified for this position. They have concerns over certain things that he's written in the past, specifically when it comes to presidential powers and whether or not he believes that a president can be indicted. And that, that's the biggest issue that Democrats talked about and um, hinted that they'd be asking lots of questions about over the next few days. Despite, I mean, through all of this, what were the reactions from Brett Kavanaugh? And then what did he say in his opening statements? I know these were all just opening statements. All the tough questions and stuff are going to come in the following days, but during opening statements, what did he say? He talked about his friends and his family and his past. His, uh, he covered over 2,000 cases, over 2,000 cases, and written more than 300 opinions. So talking about his, his time um, as a judge as well as his mom, who was a judge as well, kind of an introduction to who he is as a person, talked about his kids and his family. So all in all, he seemed very confident, addressed some of the concerns that were brought forward. But I think we're going to see the real action coming in the next few days as senators begin to actually question him about their issues, especially coming from Democrats. And we'll get to hear how Brett Kavanaugh responds to some of their concerns. Right. I'm sure if this is the way it started, there's going to be a few more fireworks as the days come and go. Steph Kite, reporter for Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. 
follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive. Daily Dive.